we're talking about words in this course, and the words that we speak affect our lives, positive or negative. The life you have today is a result of what you have believed and said in the past. With our words, we can bless or curse. We can encourage or we can trample. With our words, we can put to work the power of heaven or give access to the power of the devil. Your words and your faith determine where you spend eternity. When you've confessed Jesus as your Lord, you are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You may not have felt anything. You may not have seen anything. But still, the transfer occurred. And it occurred because you believed and you spoke. Our walk with God begins by believing and speaking. And it continues that way using these principles. These principles don't go away. They are still working in your life, positive or negative. They're working in your life. It may seem really simple, but still what you're saying is creating what your life is like. So it's very important to be thinking right. The Bible says, as man thinketh within himself, so is he. We want you thinking right. We want you speaking right. And what is right? Who defines what right is? What right is is what God says it is, not what a man says but what God says. What's right is his word. When he says you were fearfully and wonderfully made, he means it. That means you're not ugly, you're not a misfit, you're not a mistake. When he said you were fearfully and wonderfully made, he means you're wonderfully made. You're gifted. You're his child. You're wonderful. You're precious in his sight. God has lavished his love upon you by giving Jesus for you. God loves you. You are wonderful. So it's important for us to realize the power of the words that we speak. And many of the promises in the Bible really are not automatic, but are activated by us believing and speaking. That's important to know. In other words, you don't automatically just become prosperous by doing nothing. But what you believe and what you speak has a great deal to do with that. How you pray has a great deal to do with that. You can affect that. So it's important for us to activate the promises in the Word. So this is why it's so important for us to learn what the Word of God says about who you are, about what you can do, about what you have, and for you to be in agreement with God. So that if the enemy comes to lie to you, to try to steal something from you, to destroy something, you can stay submitted to God and resist the devil and say, No, flee from me. No, that doesn't line up with the word of God. How did Jesus resist the devil? Through the word of God. He quoted the word to him. Is it important to know the word? was for Jesus. Of course, Jesus is called the word. He is called the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word. In Revelations, he's called the word. He is so good to his word, he is called the word. And we can have that as a goal, to be so good to our word that we can be called our word. That we're not separated from our word. That's how good we are to our word. We are to train ourselves to speak God's word, and we are to be consistent in it. And I'm going to go over those two points tonight. Train yourself to speak God's word and be consistent in it. I'm going to give you a couple scriptures. Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 16.23. The heart of the wise. This is another main one that we're going to use for this whole course, along with Mark eleven twenty three, Proverbs sixteen twenty three. The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth. I love that scripture because it's basically saying a wise person 
realizes how important his words are and teaches his mouth what to say. In other words, your spirit needs to have control over the flesh, over your tongue, your spirit. Your spirit needs to be in control before and while you're speaking. That means to be careful about speaking in anger. That means to be careful about speaking in unbelief. I've shared this before. This is will help you. There are times where Brad's looked at me and he said, Gigi, just don't say anything and go to bed. He's, he can tell I'm tired, and if you let me go, I might go, and I might say some things that I don't want to say, not necessarily to him, but just because the place that I'm at. A little run down, a little tired, late at night, it's this and that and this and that, and all these things happen this day, and he can look at me, and he knows. Because then I wake up the next morning, and you're refreshed, and you're not in unbelief. So you're not going to speak out a whole bunch of things in unbelief. Better not. It is better. You're tired? Go to bed. Or you're not so tired that you need to go to sleep, then go read the Word for a while. I've literally picked up the Word of God and started reading because my body felt a little drained, and I have literally felt my body energized just by reading the Word of God. Better than even physical sleep. There are times where people have thought, I need more sleep, I need more sleep, and you may. That may be true. It may be that your spirit is hungry and your spirit is tired. The Bible says that a strong spirit sustains a man in his sickness. What does that mean? It means what you may need if it's not registering when you're trying to quote those couple scriptures. Read the Word. Get in the Word more. And there are times where God's shown me, actually just even recently, I was starting to realize I was getting so busy that the Word was starting to be stoked up. So that means that's too busy. you got to cut back some. I started cutting back and increasing my Bible reading time. I just cut back on a whole bunch of things. I can't let this get choked out of my life. I'm not going to let the cares of the world or the busyness of the world choke the Word of God out of my life because it's the Word that produces fruit. And I want that fruit that remains. So you've got to guard that time, especially living in the Bay Area. I found you really have to guard your Bible reading time. The phone will ring. People will need things. And there are times, yes, when I don't answer my phone if I'm reading my Bible. There are times where if I'm praying, I don't answer my phone. I'll have to pick it up later. There are times where you've got to guard some of that time as precious to get some of these things done. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his soul from trouble. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Now, look at this. This is interesting, and this will help us with confession. Hebrews 4.14. It says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Or, some others put it this way, hold fast our confession. And what that means is hold on to saying the same thing. What does that mean? Hold on to saying the same thing. Say the same thing that the Word of God says. Say what the Word says. Don't be tempted to say there's not enough money. Say what the Word of God says. What does the Word of God say? Well, here's one scripture. We gave you one earlier. Here's another one. Psalm 35, 27. Let them say continually, the Lord be magnified, who delights in the prosperity of his servant. Even if it seems like you don't have enough money to pay that bill, you quote that scripture. Quote the word, quote the word, quote the word, and you thank God. Father, I thank you that you're watching over your word to perform it, that you delight in my prosperity. 
I thank you that you delight in my prosperity. And I am saying it continually. Let you be magnified who delight in the prosperity of your servant. I thank you, Father, that you're delighting right now. And what are you doing when you do that? You're holding fast your confession, saying what the Word of God says. Can you see areas where people get sloppy or loose with their words? And they're not saying what the Bible says? Well, what happens? It means they're starting to go by the sight line. They're walking by what they see, what they feel, what they hear, instead of walking by faith in the Word of God. And we're to walk by faith in the Word of God. Again, so that we're giving God something to perform. If you say there isn't enough money, God can't perform that for you. You're not giving him anything to work with. The devil will accommodate you, but God won't. Why? Because it's unbelief. God won't take hold with that. God takes hold with what? His word. We want to be claiming scripture, speaking scripture out. And that's what God takes hold of. Let's go ahead and look at a fabulous illustration of people that got what they said. Let's go back here again. Mark eleven twenty three. Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they shall be granted to you. When are they granted? When you believe. A lot of prayers have gone out. It's when you believe you've received. Notice it's past tense, Mark 11, 23, 24. Do you see that? All things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them. That's past tense. That's what faith is, because faith is now. Hope is future, but faith is now. Hope is wonderful. Hope is great. Hope gives us hope for the future. But as long as it's future-based, it's not faith. There have been a lot of people that have been a hoping and a wishing and a praying, but it's not faith. If it's not now, it's not faith. I believe God can heal me. Yes, he can, but as long as it's it's a future tense thing. I believe someday God will heal me. I believe God can heal me. Yeah, someday he can. But you're not in faith. You're not in faith until you can bring that and you've got a hold of that now. I am healed. I refuse to go by the symptoms in my body. I refuse to acknowledge those. I'm claiming the word of God is true in my body. I acknowledge what's going on with my body. I'm not denying it. But I'm going to cling to the Word of God as being a higher authority than what I feel. And I'm going to cling to the Word of God and call that truth. And this will have to line up with His Word. Faith is now. All things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, they shall be granted to you. But also in that scripture, we see it talks about saying, it's about speaking. God wants us to get that because we have faith. We've got the faith in us. We just need to activate it by getting our confession consistent, holding on to it and saying the same thing, saying what God says. So let's go ahead and move to the story about Joshua and Caleb. So Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. All right, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. The sons of Israel were in Egypt. They were slaves. So God sent signs and wonders and made an impact on Pharaoh until Pharaoh would finally let God's children go. The children of Israel leave, and God does more signs and wonders, and God parts the Red Sea, and they cross over the Red Sea, and then the Red Sea closes in on 
the Egyptians. So God does really miracles and signs and wonders, just one after another after another, demonstrating who he is, demonstrating his power to the children of Israel. And so now they're out, and they're headed towards the promised land. And God says to Moses, I've given the sons of Israel the promised land. It's a land full of milk and honey. Go in and get it. Send out 12 spies to go in and check this land out. Now, mind you, all the signs and wonders that God's done, and now he tells them, I've given this to you. So Moses picks one from each tribe. So he picks 12 men, and they go to spy out the land. And 10 return with an evil report. That's what the Bible calls it, an evil report. And you know what that report was? It was the report of unbelief. And two, Joshua and Caleb, returned with the report that was consistent with what God had said. What are we talking about? The consistency of our confession. Saying the same thing that God said. They were in agreement with God and said what God had said. And what's very, very interesting is to see what happened to them because of it. Let's look at Numbers. I think we're going to skip to Numbers 13, 1 and 2. The Lord speaks to Moses and says, says, send men into the land. And then if we look at Numbers, Numbers 13, 30, then Caleb quiets the people before Moses and says, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we shall surely overcome it. What happened? They went into the land and they saw some giants in there. But there was also incredible fruit. There were grapes so big that they had to be carried back on a stick over two men's shoulders. Just huge, huge clusters of grapes. I mean, the land of milk and honey, it was flowing with good things. But apparently there were also some giants there. So Caleb says what God says. He says, we can, we can take it. We can take it. He says, we can do it. And verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report. Now in the King James, it says an evil report about the land that they had spied. Isn't that interesting? They just didn't agree with God, and God called it unbelief, and he called it an evil report. Now let's go down to Numbers chapter 14. The sons of Israel grumble against Moses and Aaron. And look what they say in verse 2. This is serious. If you get this, it'll help you in your whole life. Verse 2. They grumble against, they're grumbling against the leaders, which that in itself is not a good idea. And the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or that we had died in this wilderness. Not a good idea. What did they say? They'd rather have died. That's what they said with the words of their mouth. Let's skip down to verse 6. And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jehuna, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. And then in verse 9, it goes on, and near the end, it says, he says, Don't rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they shall be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But all the congregation said to stone them with stones. So faith is not always a popular position, is it? It's not. Sometimes people will think, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you believing? Believing faith and believing what the Word of God says. And so is it a popular position? 
Not necessarily. Not all the time. They stood as a minority when they could against the whole congregation. When they said they could, the whole congregation said no. So Moses, here's an example of intercession, stands in the gap for them and prays for them that God will pardon them. Let's look at verse 24. So chapter 14, verse 24, I want you to see this. But my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land which he entered, and his descendants shall take possession of it. So what God is saying right here is basically paraphrased. Caleb believed me. He said what I said, and so he's going to get the fruit from what he said. He's going to get the fruit from his faith. And Caleb will enter the land, and his descendants will possess it. Let's keep looking. And the same was for Joshua was able to enter into the land also. But let's skip down and go to verse 27. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation? Now, he's calling evil. Why? Because they didn't believe him. So to God, unbelief is evil. Who are grumbling against me. I have heard the complaints of the sons of Israel, which they are making against me. Say to them, As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will surely do to you. Your corpses shall fall in the wilderness, even all your numbered men, according to your complete number, from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me. Surely you shall not come into the land in which I swore to settle you, except Caleb, and then it goes on to say Joshua. And that's exactly what happened. God said, you'll get exactly what you said. You wish you'd died in the wilderness? Well, now you will, and you won't enter in. That's a power word. That was with Moses interceding. I, God was tempted to wipe them, just let them all go, and, and, and told Moses, I'll start with you. We'll start a new nation. Moses, I'll do a new nation with you. And Moses says, oh, no, Lord, and stands in the gap and prays for him. Isn't it interesting what we see here? Are our words important to God? Yes. God can know everything we're saying. For that matter, he knows everything you think. He knows your thoughts, but he certainly hears your words, and on these words, he took action. He gave them what they said. Well, this is just in line with the scripture that we have. If we look at Mark chapter 11, verse 23, what does it say? Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, and shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, and shall have whatsoever he saith. We're going to paraphrase that. He gets the words of speech. The words are very, very important. Joshua and Caleb were very wise to cling to a consistent confession and hold fast the profession of their faith. Hold on to saying the same thing that God had said. And God was able to perform it for them because they stuck to the word of God. And in that case, it was the spoken word. But because they stuck to the spoken word of God, they got it even though everybody else opposed them. There may be times where people in your own family will oppose you because they don't have the faith that you have. They may not have the Bible education that you have. So you can't necessarily expect them to be where you are. There may be people in your church, in your congregation. There may be brothers or sisters that may not have the faith that you have. But you can stand strong anyway. You can stand strong in your faith. And you can just very quietly pray and hold fast to what you know God's promises, to the promises in his word. There may be some things, there may be some things that need to come to pass. 
And instead of asking God to do it, you may need to stand up and declare it. There may be some things, but you may need to change the type of prayer you're doing. Do you know that's a type of prayer in Mark chapter 11, verse 23? It's a type of prayer. It doesn't say, ask God to move the mountain into the sea, does it? That's not what it says. It says, whoever shall speak to the mountain. So in the name of Jesus Christ, you may have some things to speak to. You speak to things, and you call them to change on your behalf. You speak to the paperwork that needs to come to pass. You say, you declare, this is the way it'll be in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, I'm a legal citizen. I'm entitled to work in this country. In the name of Jesus Christ, I'll wait no longer. But the Lord says that I shall prosper. He delights in my prosperity, and I shall prosper. And the way that the word of the Lord says is the way it'll be in my life. I speak it, I declare it, and it'll come to pass. There's a time that you need to rise up in faith and in your authority. There's not a time to ask God to do things that he's already granted you authority to do on this earth. It's an insult to him if you ask him to do what he already told you you were supposed to do. There's a different type of praying that comes to Christians that become mature. When you start understanding the power of your words and you're consistent with your words and you're careful with your words and you won't speak curses over people with the power of your words, but you'll speak blessings into their life, then you will increase in an authority level to speak things to move mountains. When he can trust you with your words, when he can trust you to pray for the saints instead of curse them, when he can trust you to speak good words about them and not gossip about them, he'll raise you up, he'll put you on a mountain, and you'll speak to all the mountains that are around you. There have been obstacles in your life, but it's time for you to raise up now as the body and for you to declare the way that it shall go. You shall say in the name of Jesus, this is the way it shall go, because he's granted you authority on this earth. Times to pray. It's a different way of praying, declaring the way it shall be. You are kings and priests on this earth, aren't you? He said you were. He's delegated authority to you. He told you to go out and preach the gospel. It may take money for you to preach the gospel or to send somebody else to go preach it. Therefore, you need money. You're not just keeping up money unto yourself, but for the work of the kingdom. So have a clear conscience knowing where your money's going to go, and you stop letting the devil rip you off. So we need to do this in our life, where it's a new place. It's a new place. You're people of authority. If you don't like the way things are going in your household, you start speaking the way that it'll be. You don't have to do it when anyone else is around, but you do it. You take authority over it. And in the name of Jesus, you may need to bind demons. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bind every power, principality, and ruler of the darkness and strategy and operation against me. You won't work against me or my family. I bind you. I command you to get out of my household. You won't bring any disruption here anymore in the name of Jesus. I speak peace, love, and harmony, and that's what will be in my household. You declare it. You don't need to ask God to do that. He gave you authority over the devil. What you allow in your household is what you allow. If you allow it, God will allow it. Ooh, glory. You ready for this? What you allow in your pocketbook is what God will allow in your pocketbook. If you're going to allow the devil in your pocketbook, it'll be allowed. If you're going to kick him out of your pocketbook, then kick him out, and God will support you and back you up because he watches over his word to perform it. What you allow is what God allows because he gave you authority on this earth. He made you a king and a priest. He's raised you up. He's taught you the word. He's equipped you with the word. He's equipped you with gifts, with talents, with abilities to make money. He's equipped you as a spirit-speaking being to speak things into being. He's given you the word. Now make the word work for you. There are some things that need to be declared. It's time for us to declare the way it shall go for us as believers on this earth. Declare it. 
this is why confession is so important. It's not just kind of a, a begging and a, a whimpering and a, and a pleading with God to do some things. It's standing up in the authority he's already given you and saying this is the way it'll go. You don't even have to raise your voice. You just have to mean it. You have to stand behind it. This is the way it'll go. This is the way that it'll go. Sometimes when people know God and they turn away from God, they can be the worst kind of people around because they know what they've turned away from. So you better learn to pray. Exercise your authority. God didn't put you in here for coincidence. You're in here for a reason. He wants you to get your authority and use your authority. He wants you to know how powerful you are on this earth. Not that we're getting off on some power trip, but oh, it takes stuff to be successful in this life. He wants you successful. He wants you an overcomer. He wants you victorious. He wants you completely satisfied. He wants you happy. He wants your family members saved. He wants you in abundance. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. That doesn't mean barely getting along street. Abundance. If you're not seeing the abundance, stand up and start declaring it. Speaking it out. So God says his servant, Caleb, had another spirit. Another spirit. What was it? It was a spirit of faith. The spirit of faith. How precious is the spirit of faith that will speak out what God says. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We are to stand up and declare some things. I remember when my son was little, waking up in the morning, and he was coughing so much. Coughing, coughing, coughing. It seemed like it was more in the morning than it was at night. Coughing, coughing, coughing. So finally I took him to the doctor because it was an issue. And the doctor looked at him. He did some things. He, he asked him when was he coughing the most, and he pulled down his eyelids, and he looked inside his eyelids, and he said, see all these red dots? And I saw, yeah, just tons of, like, red dots on the bottom inside of his eyelids. And he said he's allergic to, to dust, more specifically to dust mites. And right when he said that, in, on the inside of me, I didn't say it out loud because <laughs> you got to use wisdom when you're going to speak things out loud, when you're going to declare things. But on the inside of myself, I said, no, in the name of Jesus Christ, he is not allergic to any mites. In the name of Jesus. Just silently to myself. And then when I got out of the office, I bolded the kid. Not where I was drawing attention to myself. No one was around. But I boldly declared it. My son is not allergic to dust, dust mites, or anything else. He isn't now, and he never will be. Now, I did go and do some of the things they told me to do in the natural. They put, bought him a new mattress and put a plastic thing over it and got rid of some of the stuff down. I did do some of those things. I didn't see a change from those things. But I did do what I was told to do in the natural. At the same time, I kept my confession consistent. He is not allergic to dust. He won't be allergic to dust. He will never be allergic to dust. I say that he is healthy in the name of Jesus. By the stripes of Jesus, he's healthy. And it left. Now, I had to stay on that for maybe a couple months. It's also important for you to know that. There are times you maybe get something instant. But then if you don't get it instantly the next time in a different situation, you may think, oh, well, it's not working this time. Well, yeah, it's working. It's just some things take longer. Sometimes it may be just a natural thing in the body that the body needs to heal, and it may take more time. 
Uh, sometimes it's a spirit, and the spirit leads immediately. So when I've gotten immediate results, a lot of times it was just a spirit leading. Sometimes you've got to stay with it longer. How long do you know to stay with it until you get the desired result? And if you're not getting the desired result that you think in the amount of time you think you should be getting it, then change the way you're praying. Go to God and say, Lord, is there a better way for me to go after this? Is there a better way for me to pray? Then seek him. So that thing left, and I thank God for it. Do you know that I'm in a carpool with another little boy driving him to school, and this boy's allergic to dog hair, dog fur, and two of us in the carpool have dogs. My dog's not even in the car, and that little boy has had severe allergic reactions, and the parents have had to go to the school for him and do all sorts of things and take him to the doctor and, and, and stuff just because he's rubbed against our kids that have sweatshirts that have maybe touched the dog sometime. I thank God. I thank God that we know God. And they're Christians. I'm looking for an open door, an opportunity, but if I don't see one, if it doesn't seem like it's going to be received, I'm not going to say anything. But I sit there with the knowledge knowing it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. But wisdom doesn't just go tell everything you know. Wisdom waits and you seek the Lord. You want me to say anything? Are they open? Are they receptive? You're in Bible school. You're going to be, you've got a lot of knowledge. You're going to keep getting a lot more knowledge, and you just wait on the Lord. Do you want me to say something, or do I just stay silent in this? Do I wait? People need to be ready for it. They need to be ready. Otherwise, it's like throwing your pearls before swine. Have you heard that saying? It's in the Bible. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Yes. Does that feel good? No. Much, much better to be led by the be led by the Lord, and, and I'd rather throw my pearls somewhere where they're going to be received and appreciated, or I'd rather not throw them. And there are times where I prayed about something, and He told me that's throwing your pearls before swine. So we see in this word here how important it is that we say the same thing that God says, that we keep our faith hooked up, active. And we keep our confession consistent. And I think God's exhorting us tonight in something, and that's about it's time for us as believers to stand up and declare some things. There are times where in my body I've declared this is the way it is. I declare it. So how does it apply to us when we can look at the ten that came back with a bad report or an evil report, and we can look at the two that came back with a faith-filled report? Well, we can take that and we can apply that to our lives in the area of finances. Are we going to say what God says, or are we going to say what we see in our checkbook, or the bank account, or the pile of bills? Start speaking over the bills. Calling them all paid. Call the debt paid. Call the debt paid. God made you the head, not the tail. God made you the lender, not the borrower, which means best is get out of debt completely. That car, house, everything, get out of debt. When Brad and I went to Bible school, we felt led to sell our house. We had a cute little house in Burlingame. And we had relatives that said, if you sell that house, you'll never get back into the California real estate market. And I said, if God wants us to, we will. So we followed God. We obeyed God. We knew we were supposed to sell that house. It was cute. It bordered Hillsboro. Across the street was Hillsboro. It was a quiet little area. It was close to Burlingame Country Club where we used to go walk our dog. It was gorgeous. I loved that area. It was beautiful. But I'm going to follow God. So we sold it and went to Bible school. And I just stood on the word of God for years. That whoever gives up house, mother, father, farms, children for my name's sake will receive back in this life a hundredfold and in the one to come. 
and I'd sit on that scripture, and every once in a while I would just speak it out, speak it out. Here's what your word says, God. Here's what your word says. And, yeah, it took years because it was a big thing. It took years. But one day somebody walked up to Brad and gave him a 10-unit apartment complex, and we gave him $10 to make sure everything was going to be legal. We made payments on, there was a loan on it. We made payments on the loan, but and we fixed it up. We spent a couple years fixing it up, but we sold that house, and we were able to buy a house with it. God gave it to us. It wasn't a family member. It wasn't a relative. It wasn't anybody we knew. And he led the, the mother to the Lord. Was there work in it? Yeah, there was some work in it. The owner had died in England, and we had to trace down a death certificate. and There was a lot of work. The roof was leaking. We had to put a new roof on it. But we sold it for enough money to be able to buy a house to live in. God's good. If God's good, so now we have a house to live in. That's wonderful. Why? Because God's good. Did, did, did I earn enough money to buy a house in the Bay Area? No. God blessed us. How? What gave him the right to bless me? What I said. Why? Because he watches over his word to perform it. I wasn't saying, oh, my relatives were right. We shouldn't have sold our house. Everything's gone up. It's about seven to ten times the value that it was when we sold. Oh, why did we follow God? I didn't do that. There was one time somebody told me, if you go to Bible school, I'll write you out of my will. I got off the phone. I ran around the house and prayed for the Lord. Why? What is that persecution for righteousness? It's not persecution for doing something wrong. It's persecution for doing something right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You've been persecuted. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Stick with the word. Stick with the word. And all that hasn't panned out yet anyway. The end hasn't come. Actually, in the meantime, they made Brad the second trustee for the whole estate. It's worth about $8 million. He's not the first, but he's the second executor. And they said they'd let him know the word. We're going to cling to the word of God. What the word of God says is what we get. I believe God and I believe the word. I believe good things are coming to me because I'm doing good. I'm serving God. doesn't mean I'm doing perfect, but it means I'm doing good. I'm doing the word. I'm reading the word. I'm studying the word. I'm applying the word. I'm a doer of the word. I'm walking in love. I'm going to stay consistent in my confession. And, it, and I go from glory to glory and from faith to faith. From glory to glory and from faith to faith. So that's what the word of God says. So hold fast to the word. I, for that matter, let me tell you this. I had another person, another family member, say, if you don't spend Christmases with me, I'll write you out of my will. And I thought, I cannot be manipulated. I cannot be bought. We pray where we spend Christmas. We pray where we spend Thanksgiving. Why? Because sometimes, every once in a while, God will just drop in a certain idea or a certain person that has a need, and that's who we'll go spend it with. You can't manipulate me with money. People are amazing. I like God. He's a man of his word. He's God of his word, which is better than being man of his word. But Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. I like that Jesus is the word, that you can so count on him. He is the word. He is the word. And that's what we're going to be studying. We're going to continue to study. We're going to continue to study on the power of words, the power of God's word, the power of our words when we speak them out of our mouth and how important these words are. And we're going to get our confession to the point where it's consistent and it's lined up with the word so that God's got something to watch over and perform. Amen?